Greetings and felicitations. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. This is episode 28, another week we delve into my mind and everything else that's going on in the world. We'll find out. We'll get through it. Uh, And I have to say this. uh, Thank you to all of you. All now 14 of you who listen to my podcast at given points in time. Uh, thank you for doing what you do, for listening to me spill my mind. I'm on dialysis. I'm dying. I've, I've been given my, I gave, I gave myself a death sentence. And now I'm trying to stretch it out to see how long I can last. But in the meantime, I'm going to try to impart what little wisdom I've attained in this world to hopefully maybe you'll make you change your lifestyle a little bit. I'm not asking for a lot. You will change your lifestyle just a little bit to maybe be a little bit healthier, a little bit wiser to keep you out of the chair that's waiting for you. I know what I'm talking about. In my clinic, there are a lot of chairs and there's a lot of empty chairs and they're looking, waiting for somebody to make that mistake that's going to cost them their life. And you will be right next to me watching TV. Maybe we'll chat a little bit and we'll bitch about being on dialysis. But that's the reality of it. I'm not, I don't, I don't BS people. So that's a thing. But anyway, here we are, the Chairland Chronicles, episode 28. And we will get into what we get into just down the road. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hope you enjoy it. Now that I have lived a lifetime's worth of days, finally I see the folly of my ways. So listen when I sing the temptations of this world, fancy cars and needles, whiskey, flesh, and pearls. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. A little background music by Dewey Cox. A beautiful ride. Mm, that's what this particular box is going to be about. But first, before I get into that, I want to just a little share with you a little tidbit of information that I pulled off when I was looking at my analytics on my podcast and I've already had 1,000 plays and 100 plus episodes I don't know how that well I've been doing this for three years so that's that's why I wasn't constant at first with uh, I was putting out a podcast every week but I would take off because you know life got in the way of a lot of things as it always does but um, this one is going to be a little bit different but I, I want to say thank you 
follow those plays on all of those episodes. Sometimes I get a little repetitive because it's my nature, because I'm trying to get a message out. But uh, that's okay. So lately, okay, I, I signed up for a food program with a food bank where once a month I join many, many other human beings and waiting in line to get uh, a little bit of extra groceries. Uh, a lot of times they're, they're, they're the things that H-E-B got rid of that they didn't want anymore because they've already reached or exceeded their exp- uh, expiration days. And you know what? That's okay. It'll get eaten. It'll get used. And then in that respect, they give you so much that we were able to break it up into two, sometimes even three groups, and we share it with family. Uh, we share with my mom's two sisters, my aunts. Uh, we went and visited them yesterday. We dropped the stuff off with my Aunt Gloria, visited with her and my uncle for a little bit. And then we went over to her, her other sisters, Olivia, and we visited with her and my uncle, Tadilo. It's good to see family uh, because that's the whole purpose of Dewey's song. Everything that you do in your life, when it boils down to it, you're going to be left with you, your family, and your friends. And that's more than enough. You don't need the cars or the motorcycles or the, or the pearls or the jewels or the money which is what we were after. That was the prize we were after when we were younger. But what happens is wisdom settles in the place of the things that you never achieved and there are lessons learned. And we pass those values on to our grandchildren. If you have grandchildren or your children, you try to pass those, those things on to them. And, you know, that's a good thing. So by us, I think, waiting in line for volunteers to put food in the back of our truck, and then we break that food up and share it with our family, we're doing the Lord's work because my two aunts aren't in any better shape than anybody else out there. So, you know, it's it's a good thing, like I said. So that's what this episode's about. It's about reflections of a life. I don't know, maybe misused. I've tried. I've tried so hard. And I failed a lot. I failed more so than I succeeded. But each failure led to a revelation, a knowing, and not to do what not to do again. I granted, I wish I could have gone on the first try. But we're not all cut out for that. And like I said, everything that I've done in life, I've had to do twice. I don't know if it's because I'm a hard head. I don't know. I really, I don't have an answer, but I think it's just the stupidity of youth. And yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid to say I was a, a dumb kid. But now I'm a little bit more savvy. And I try to be better. I try to do better. I try to act better. There are people out there that I'm trying. Uh, there's one in particular that I'm trying to impress, trying to get my message to. And it's like a broken. 
key on a Morse code machine. Some of the letters get through, some of the words. But I don't know. I try. That's all I can say is I try every day. And sometimes I try harder than I did the first time. So, uh, so, <laughs> oh boy, more Dewey Cox. <laughs> yeah. Walk hard. Yeah, you can still hear that. It's under a pillow. My speaker's under a pillow. That's okay. I'm here. I will drown that out. So anyway, getting back to family and friends. I mean, sometimes I wish there was more I could do. But I'm limited in my abilities. I'm hoping that somehow, some ways, my life gets better. And I can do more. I can give more. But we can. We do what we can, right? And I know all of you are pretty much in the same boat. Because that's just the way it is. And so... I don't know. We do what we can. It's like a dialysis. I mean, there was. I wish there was much, much more I could do for those people. But we're all stuck in our little world. We all have. We're all victims to our death sentence. And yeah, I, I say it easily. I mean, it is a death sentence. Simply because we did this to ourselves. Some there's some of us though. I have to be honest. Some of us at the clinic who did nothing at all, and they got they got sick. Their kidneys just failed. And um, there they are. Life is not fair. And I learned this a long, long time ago from an exo who would always tell us that. Said, sailors, sons, my life, his life is not fair. Sometimes it can be a real bitch. And you just do the best you can. But like the song says, you got to walk and you got to walk hard. Because one day, that train will come to an end. It'll, it'll, it'll finally hit the end of the line. And you, you continue to move forward to the next life. I can't say any more than that. But we do, right? So let me get back to saying uh, what I was talking about earlier, the analytics, 1,000 plays, and I, I really have to thank each and every one of you for that. And there are a lot of you that are reaching out to me because you, you found my uh, my fa my Facebook page, the Chillin' Chronicles. You left me messages, and I'm try I try to respond. Uh, some of you have hit me up on Messenger. And uh, because you're on my Facebook page with the Chronicles, and I try to answer each and every one of you, uh, because you ha you ask me questions that I try to answer to the best of my abilities. 
Excuse me. And uh, well, I, I just try, like I said, I try to answer all your questions, and I try to get back to you as soon as I can, as quickly as I can. And there we are. Yeah. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. We'll be right back. We got more show coming up to hit you up with. Right back. There are places I remember all my life. Though some have changed, some forever, not for better. Some have gone, and some remain. All these places have their moments. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Welcome back. Thank you for sticking around. Well, I do, from time to time, I do what I call the Tales series. There are Tales from the Deep when I was in the service. There are table Tales from the Club when I was work, running a comedy club for 10 years. There are Tales from the ER from my time spent in the ER, the things that I heard, the things I listened to. Sometimes y'all talk too loud. But we're going to go back to Tales from the Deep. Uh, I was, I'm part of a, uh, a ship's crew uh, page on Facebook for my old ship. Uh, the only ones that are allowed in are people who actually served on that boat. And a lot of my friends are still there. They're still around. But in the midst of some of the pictures, I saw a picture of a friend that I had lost. He died a couple of years back. His name was Joe Wiggins. Now, I have a very vivid, slightly raunchy tale about Joe. Joe is a good friend. Joe Wiggins was an A-ganger. He was an auxiliaryman. He didn't pass the nuke test, so he went to auxiliaryman school, and they made him a, a knuckle-dragger on a fast attack. He's a good guy. He's a good friend. Now, things weren't always bliss between me and Joe. We had our moments, as we do with every member of the crew. We all had our, our share of words from one another. It's, it's just that shit happens. You know, it's what they say. So... There was this time. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I was almost done with my tour. And so I was living on the boat because the powers that be didn't want to give me a room in the barracks with everybody else. So they made me live on board. Okay. I wasn't happy with it, but I had a bed. So I went out drinking one night. I came back to the boat drunk. And Joe Wiggins was part of the duty section that was there that night. So I came back drunk, and I think I remember seeing Joe, and we guys kind of snickered with each other because he knew I was drunk. So I went back to my rack, undressed, and got in bed, passed out. Now, about 8 o'clock in the morning, they do a, sh- a shift change of the watch. The watch sections change. So you have oncoming watch, you have offgoing. 
<laughs> Joe's shift was off going. So the one thing that all the off going members of the crew of the watch section have to clean, do a quick clean down of the ship. Joe's clean down area was the bow compartment. Guess where I'm sleeping? In the bow compartment. My rack was on a bottom tier. So I was right there uh, about six inches above the deck, the deck plating. So Joe is trying to sweep down the bow compartment. Now he's got in his hand a foxtail and a dustpan. A foxtail is it's basically a small brush. It's about 12 inches long. It's got about a four inch handle made out of wood and it's got a lot of uh, bristles on it. So you know, it's, it's basically a broom. So he's sweeping the bow compartment and uh, hold on. Okay, sorry about that. Had to step out for just a second. Anyway, let's get back to it. So Joe is going through the bow compartment, sweeping down. I'm about, I'm in the forward part of the bow compartment, bottom rack. My ass is sticking out of the curtain. Literally, I'm butt ass naked, which is what the way most of us went on board. So my ass is sticking out of the curtain. Joe put his hand on me and pushed me in. I woke up and I didn't like that, so I pushed back out. So Joe started to tickle my ass with the foxtail. And I muttered something. It was pretty, it was bad enough for Joe. Well, see, what Joe wanted me to do was get back in the rack or either get up one of the two because I was in his way. I guess I was really, really hanging out of the rack. And, you know, it kind of happens. So I start arguing with Joe as I'm laying there. And then Joe got so mad. He took the handle of the foxtail and shoved it in my ass. Yes. Sometimes my stories can get a little graphic, so I apologize if you're very sensitive or you're... Don't let other sensitive viewers around there. So he's ramming this foxtail handle up my ass, and it goes up. It goes in there. It's in. I push myself out of the rack, and I roll out, and Joe and I start fist fighting. We start throwing blows. Now, I have to tell you one thing that just so you understand, Joe and I are the only two minorities representing on the on the ship. Joe's black. I'm, I'm Mexican. So so we start fighting and we're swinging back and forth and we're connecting something. I know I remember I got Joe square in the eye. It was his right eye. I connected good because he almost went down. So now we're, we're, we're walking. We're not, not walking. We're fighting our way down the bow compartment. He goes through the hatch. I go follow him because I'm angry. I'm pissed and we're fighting. We continue down the passageway. We're in the cruise mess. We're in the cruise mess fighting. There are guys there eating. I'm butt ass naked with a foxtail sticking out of my ass. They break us apart. <laughs> and then uh, they pull Joe away and they pull me away and they take me back to the bow compartment to get dressed and the doc fortunately was, was there he comes over and he pulls the foxtail out of my ass it hurt yes it did so that's it it's over 
there was nobody in the compartment that actually cared enough to write either one of us up, although we were threatened with a write-up for fighting. Um, so that's it. It was done. That was done. About, oh, the next, it was the next day. It was the next day because the next day was a work day. It was a Monday. Since I'm living on board, I'd already showered early and had my uniform on. I was having my morning coffee. I was having coffee. I was in the cruise mess. There was me and maybe three other guys. And then I feel somebody looking at me. And I look up and standing there in the passageway is Joe Wiggins. Joe looks at me and I look at him. And I see the big shiner that I gave him on his right eye. I didn't think you could see a black eye on a black man, but yeah, you can. So we're, we look, we're just kind of staring at each other and we just start laughing because we're friends, we're buds. We had a, a, a moment. So that's where it ended. Joe and I went back to like nothing happened. We had our laugh about it and that was the end of it. So Joe went about his business and I went about mine and we I mean I think I think we hooked up like a couple of days later or the end of the week to go and party and we partied we got drunk on our asses I think we were at Dino's that was where I liked to hang out with Mike and Bernie so the reason I'm giving you this tale from the deep is because Joe Wiggins is no longer alive I found out from our common friend Mike Evans that Joe died about two, maybe three years ago of heart failure. It was sad because Joe Wiggins was a good guy. He was a good man. He was a good friend. And I miss him when, now that I know he's gone. So, Joe Wiggins, this is to you. This is to me and the foxtail. So, take care, my friend. I will see you one day on the other side. Until then, adios, Joe. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. We'll be right back. And I got a foxtail. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thank you for sticking around. Uh, man, there are a lot of weird things going on in the world today. I really don't know where to start. But I will tell you this much. Let's start with the weather. The weather is crazy. We've had, uh, I think they said 12 or 15, 100 consecutive degree days here in San Antonio. It's only, it was only started in June. Spilled over into July. We had a brief week's respite about uh, 10 days ago because we had a uh, high pressure system move off of us and uh, it was able to cool down just a little bit, but it's 97 degrees at 9 o'clock at night. 
what is going on. There's a big old high pressure dome sitting over the United States. It is high scale heat from California all the way to uh, the southern east, south, southeastern states. It's uh, uh, the Arizona area has experienced, I think it was 18 deaths due to the heat. In Las Vegas, Nevada, they're reporting record high numbers of people with heat-related injuries. Here in San Antonio, they are dispatching mobile air conditioning units to put in the pits where the uh, water workers work. When they dig up pits to replace piping and whatnot, they got to put air conditioning in there because it's uh, it's hot. It gets up to about 120 in that in that uh, ditch that they're digging. So they have to put an air portable air conditioner for them to relieve themselves. There's a there's a truck, a bus actually that travels with uh, some fire units for big fires, where the firefighters can go in and cool off because it's that hot. And when you're wearing those outfits that they do those those uh, that uniform, that big jacket, those big baggy pants, it gets hot in that in your in your in your skivvies basically. So. People say, what's with the heat? Do you want to hear what I think? You're not going to like it. And you're going to say, well, Ben-Hur, that's conspiracy theory talking. You're just talking nuts. Well, maybe so, but hear me out. I think somebody, I don't know who, I have an idea, have uh, mastered the control of the weather. Look at what's going on here. You have a, a massive heat wave in the in the southwest, in the southeast or in the northeast, actually corrected. You have record rains. It's flooding in Maine and Vermont. Maine and Vermont. It's flooding. It's flooding in those in all those states. New York. It's insane. What's going on? And now, oh, don't get me wrong. We started. Uh, we already started the uh, hurricane season. That's right. This hurricane season started in June and it runs all the way through. I think November. So far, there's already been one major hurricane in the uh, in the Atlantic, Hurricane Don, but it's already headed out to open ocean, and uh, it's just insane what's going on. This revolutionary discovery changes everything we thought. Sorry about that. Uh, oh, hold on. Okay, uh, that's that's the household that you hear. Uh, okay, getting back to the weather. Not only that, that's just the United States. There are heat waves going on through Greece. And all the Mediterranean, Israel, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon are experiencing massive heat waves. There's a massive fire going off in Greece that has many, it's not, I'm not talking everybody in Greece fighting, it's got other countries fighting, helping them fight it. This is a, a firestorm that we, we can't even imagine here. Although... We've had our share, and then don't forget the fires are, are they're about due back because the Santa Ana winds are going to start up, and that's when the fires start up. 
Then again, in California and Oregon and Washington State, I don't know if there's anything left to burn. They've had their share of major fires. I think there's still a major fire going on in uh, Oregon somewhere. But the weather is just crazy. Now, this is where it gets weird. There is a project, a program that the United States started called HARP. H-A-A-R-P. Which stands for a High Altitude Acoustics Resonance Program. Now, the purpose, the the stated purpose of said mission was in order for the government to be able to maintain radio contact with its submerged submarines because it was all low frequency. Low frequency travels very well in water. I think what happened, though, is they found there was a side benefit to this because what happens with the high altitude, you're talking in the troposphere, which is, high, I think it's a second portion of space. And see, what they do is they bombard low frequency into the atmosphere, and they actually, what they do is they change the shape of the, of the troposphere. And what they do is they make a big bulge in it. And what that bulge does to the high-level winds is it scoops them up into that bulge and changes the jet stream. When you alter the, the shape of the jet stream, you allow for more highs to come in, and it pushes all the low pressure out. High equals dry and hot. That's the rule of thumb. Now, here in San Antonio, we had snow about a couple of years ago. It rarely snows in San Antonio. It snowed for two days. Excuse me, I had two inches of snow in my front and backyard. Couldn't believe it. And it was cold, nine degrees. And it was cold in the house. And we had rolling blackouts. Now, if you had gas, you were okay because you could run your, your, your stove and, and your heaters. But if you had electri electrical heaters like many people do, you were SOL, man. You had to sit there and bundle up and stand in front of your stove. Hopefully it was gas and then you could turn on the, the burners and stand in front of it and warm up. The weather is insane. Now, between the, the flooding in the northeast and the heat wave in the west and the southwest, people are enjoying what you would say, I won't say, well, yeah, spring-like temperatures in places like Chicago and Idaho and Montana. But we're going to see because, once again, we're going to give into winter and we're going to see what happens. Now, let's get back to the HARP program. Okay, so they found that they could control, to some extent, the weather with that uh, that bulge in the stratosphere. They could make it rain in certain areas if they wanted to. They could make it burn if they wanted to. Well, somehow that technology got out. Because it's just inevitable, right? Because it always does. So now the Russians got a hold of it. 
and the Russians in turn sold it to the Iranians. Now the word is that the Iranians have a harp field, and what it is, it's it's a large field with these huge antennas rising out of the ground, and these antennas pump uh, low frequency sound into the sky and change the shape of the troposphere. At some point, they're going to figure out, or they're going to pinpoint how to actually make a storm, a devastating storm or a devastating heat wave, attack its enemies to burn out or dry up its crops, uh, demotivate its, its population and its troops. And then when the time is right, you take them to the table and get what you want out of them. But now that's the weather. On another front, we have an assault here in the United States, a direct assault on the First Amendment, your right to free speech. I watched a, uh, a uh, House subcommittee meeting on uh, oh, basically anti-Semitism and hate. There are four members of the panel. One of those members was Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yes, there are some members of the Kennedy family still active in politics. He was a politician one time. Now he's an activist and he, he's, he's running. He wants to run for president on the Democratic ticket. But right now, he's fighting an uphill battle with Joe Biden and the left shutting him down. I watched this, I could not believe what I saw, but it's, this is happening in my, in my lifetime. He was censored, censured by the committee. They took a vote. Uh, Jim Jordan, the head of the committee, was all against it, but the Democrats outmaneuvered out him, and they had to take a vote to censure him. He lost. He was censured for statements that he made uh, a few weeks back where they said they were anti-Semitic and, and very racist comments. RFK was there in front of the subcommittee to defend himself, and they would not give him that. They censured him. So what's going to happen? Are they going to censure the rest of us when we want to speak up when something's not right? Is the statements or, or the truth posted by the left going to be the law of the land for the rest of us where we have no voice no tongue to speak our mind to stop and say this is wrong we need to start now what they did to rfk was wrong he was censured for having beliefs his the statement was was what he said was that that jewish people people of the jewish faith were immune to covid what he meant was not a lot of Jews died because of the COVID. Not a lot of blacks either. So those were his statements, and he was censured for that because these were his beliefs. Now, that's free speech. Now, here's the thing. This is my thing. You don't have to like what people say. And if you don't like what they say, turn your, turn your cheek. Go away from them. Don't listen to them. But to tell others he can't hear what he said, the, what he said was inflammatory and racist... There's another uh, front on free speech that's being attacked. Uh, there's a country singer, and his name escaped me right now. But he wrote a song and a video, made a video from it called This Won't Happen in a Small Town. 
And I saw the video, and the video shows what happened in Portland with Antifa burning down a, a courthouse, burning police cars, and all the things that went on during their summer of love was what they call it. So he wrote a song that this wouldn't happen in a small town because small towns have values that still carry on what we believe in, America, or at least what I used to believe America was all about. It was about the flag. It was about America. It was about allegiance. It was about being a good American. You don't steal goods from Walgreens. You pay for them. You don't burst into a Walmart and say that you're claiming reparations because the government or the world owes you. The government, the world doesn't owe you shit. You earn what you make. You earn what you take. And you don't take it. You pay for it. This is what's wrong with America. This is what we're teaching our children that America is a very racist place, that's not a good place. And if you're of a different skin color, you're not going to get very far in this country. This is all bullshit. And forgive me for my language, but it is. Now, there are some of you out there that are listening, and I don't know who you are, because we, we converse. These aren't, your, these aren't your politics, and that's okay. But you have to open your eyes. And if you want to be woke, you need to be woke-woke. You need to see, you need to be woke to the point where the you see what the left is doing and that it's wrong. You know what's wrong. You know in your heart it's wrong. You know in your heart that there shouldn't be that many homeless people. It's just people got lazy and COVID helped them. And Joe Biden and his political front made that happen. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong, but in my heart it's wrong because this is not the country. This is not the America that I grew up in. So now we have our freedom of speech slowly being eroded and taken away. We have we still have people, active people, protesting on the home front lawns of our Supreme Court because they don't like their politics. They don't like the and you know what? That's all right, but you know what? I don't want you protesting on my house. Leave leave my home and property alone. Leave me my peace. I give you yours, give me mine. See, that's the thing about America. You've earned what you got, and I should leave you. I should have the decency to leave you alone and let you go about your business. I don't have to like what you say, but I have to respect what you say. And by respecting what you say, I have to listen and then form in my own heart, in my own head, what's wrong or what's good about your argument. Because that's what it is. It's an argument. And we can sit here and we can argue with each other all day long. But until the, one of us walks away saying, you know what, he's got a point. And you have to understand that. You have to listen to it. You have to feel it with your heart and with your head. Fires, floods, racism, sexism, and all kinds of isms. Where does it end? Does it end? Will it end with a massive revolution? a second American Revolution. I hope so. I mean, you know, look, don't get me wrong. We need the people on the left. We just don't need them as intense as they are now because if you take away my rights, assume at some point somebody's going to take away yours too. And if you're not in the ruling elite, you're going to be in defeat just like the rest of us. And that's when they, the gray jumpsuits start going out for everybody to wear. We'll all be the same. That's, that's, the, that's the goal, is that we're all the same, and we're not. We're all different. And our differences is what has made America great. 
our differences have made us stronger, have made us more intense, and have made us believers. When you pay homage to the flag, it's not to that piece of cloth, it's to the symbol, it's to what it represents, all the people that stepped up and gave their lives for that country. From the Revolutionary War to all the way to the Afghanistan, whether you agreed with that war or not, it doesn't matter. People stood up and offered their lives on the altar of freedom, just like I did. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Wow, remember that song? Bow, wow, wow. Ooh, she was gorgeous, wasn't she? I wonder what she's doing now. Well, that song's, what, 20 plus years old? Used to watch it on MTV back in the day when there were only five VJs. Remember them? Can you name them? <laughs> I bet you can't. Well, we're going to talk a little bit. We're, we're going to talk about dialysis. We're going to talk about diabetes. We're going to talk about chemo. Uh, the reason is I have a friend on chemo. Her name is Cindy. I don't think she listens to the show. Maybe she should. And she should listen to this episode. Uh, Cindy is on uh, chemotherapy right now. She's was re-diagnosed with cancer, a cancer that she thought she had beaten. And it came back again. So as soon as it came back, they put her on chemo to to battle it. Many people don't really know what chemo is. Chemo is the introduction of poisons into the body designed to kill the cancer. But at the same time, it also kills the body. It has a detrimental effect on the patient because they feel horrible, vomit, don't eat very well. And that's one of the things they tell you on chemo is you got to keep up your weight. You got to keep up your, your attitude. And that's what hurts because you're sick as a dog after a treatment. I don't know if they get treated every day or if it's three times a week, like my dialysis. But now getting back to the dialysis, uh, I recently switched to a little tip that one of my chairmates had given me. I refer to my fellow dialysis patients as my chairmates because that's the one thing we do is we chair we share chairs in the clinic. So one of my friends told me, you know, I was telling him, you know, I, I still feel crampy and just like crap. He said, do what I do. Pop a Chinese candy in your mouth about an hour before your treatment's over. And that should help the cramps subside. So, you know, I'm willing to try. I'm willing to give anything a shot. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll get into some other stuff later, but I uh, um, bought up the bag of Chinese candy at HEB, and I carry three with me, one for each day of my treatment, one for each treatment day. So I uh, take one about an hour before my treatment's over, 
I pop one in my mouth, take a swig of water to, to get it loosened up, and then suck on the brine that the plum was soaked in. And if those of you don't know what a Chinese candy is, it's a basically a dried plum, and it's dried in saline, so it's very salty, very potent little nugget. So you're sucking on this thing, and what you're doing is you're putting salt back in your body, and that's the cause of the cramps is because the dialysis removes uh, salt or not well it removes water from your body and in the in the time that it does that it removes other things like salt calcium potassium phosphorus and they cleanse your blood with the machine with the aid of a machine so i've been doing the chinese candy this is my third week and when i leave i walk a lot better my cramping has been way, way reduced. I have minimal cramping in my hand. My legs don't cramp anymore. So one of the nurses had also told me that uh, a good remedy for post-dialysis cramping is to drink a small glass of pickle juice. And what it is, it's not so much the pickle juice, it's the brine in it, the salt that's in it, which replenishes in your body. Now, some people love pickle juice. I'm not a big pickle fan, unless I have a slice of pickle in my in my uh, poor boy, or my burger, or relish on my hot dog. But I don't like. My sister loves eating pickles. I don't. I do not like. Some people love pickles. Love a pickle. My sister will bite off the tip of a pickle, shove a Chinese candy in there, and go to town. I can't do that. My uh, my girlfriend can bite into a pickle. I can't do that. But then again, I can also swallow down a shot of tequila. She can't do that. They think I'm weird for doing that. But anyway, getting back to the Chinese candy. So I've been doing that, and it's been working. So I passed that on to Cindy. Hey, maybe you should try popping a Chinese candy in your mouth. That salt will help replenish what, you're, what they take out in chemo. And, uh, and she also has low potassium, so... Hopefully that Chinese candy will put some potassium back in her, back in her system. And, and you know you have to have certain amounts of potassium in your body. You have to have certain amounts of magnesium in your body, certain amounts of iron. You know all the things that that they're that they're checking her for. But chemo also takes a lot away from the body. So does dialysis. So if you're listening, Cindy, try the Chinese candy. Another thing that I'm going to try, uh, this was at the, uh, this was my nurse or my tech, and she's studying to be a nurse. So this was her imparting on me of, because uh, I told her that on my treatment days, oh, dialysis does a number of my vocal cords. I can barely talk when I leave there. And when you do hear me talking, it's because I'm forcing, I'm forcing the voice out. It really doesn't want to talk. It sounds like this. And so I, right now my voice is in good shape, so I'm, I'm projecting very well. Uh, so getting back to uh, the voice, and I told her, you know, it's my, my vocal cords are in shreds when I leave her. And I don't, I don't, yeah, it's like I went to a concert, you know, when you have that, that post soreness in your throat because you've been screaming at, at a concert all night or something like that. So she told me a spoonful of coconut oil. Now, I've never thought about this. 
So I said, hmm, you've got my, you piqued my interest. So I got my trusty tablet and I Googled coconut oil. Man, there are a lot of health benefits from coconut oil. Now, I have to tell you, I've been a fearful of coconut oil because I hear people saying they, they eat it, but they can also cook with it. And I know that there are a lot of black people that put it on their skin. So as I'm reading this, I'm reading that coconut oil is good for your heart. It's got a lot of uh, uh, triglycerides in it, very good for your heart. And what you do is you scoop out about, and she told me this, my, my tech told me this, scoop out about a teaspoon of the coconut oil. And it's going to be in a, in a solid, like a paste form. Put it in your mouth and the heat of your body will melt it. And then you just swallow. I'm going to find out here because I'm going to buy some. And uh, she said, and as I'm reading the benefits of coconut oil, it says you can also put some in your mouth. And as it melts, swish it around your mouth because it would help strengthen your teeth. And it will also ease bad breath if you've got halitosis. So there's that benefit. Then here's the other benefit that I learned from, from listening to black people talk. They buy coconut oil to put on their skin when they have an abrasion, when they have a sunburn. Yes, black people get sunburned. Don't be racist. And they put these things on their, this oil on their skin. And as I read, that it's also an antiseptic. If you have an open wound, put a little coconut oil. It will help seal the wound and heal it up. This stuff has many, many uses. And I am going to get some. I'm going to order some today on my Amazon. And we're going to go there. So there's that. What else was I going to tell you? Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you about my dialysis clinic. There's a group of us. And we're almost, we almost all come in at the same time early in the morning. There's uh, Cruz, the Marine. There's Elva, my friend. She's the, the only gal in the group. There are other women there, but they're on the other side of the room. There's Charlie, who is my patient advocate, but he's also a good egg. He, he's not with us because he's on the other side of the room. He's on the lame side of the room. And so then there's Zach. He's 21 years old, and he's on dialysis. I hate it when I see young people on dialysis. But he had type 1. No, 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 no. He suffered from high blood pressure and heart problems. That, that's why he's there. And then his kidneys just failed on him. There's David. Uh, he's another guy. He's a he's a big sports guy. He's a big gambler guy. He's a big guy too. And then there's me. And then there are the texts that we interact with. There's Bree and Claudia and uh, and Justine. And then there's Kong, this big beefy dude that he's one of the texts. He's a pretty cool guy. So. We're the lively end of the room. When we come in in the mornings, we're, we're styling, profiling, we're joking, we're laughing it up, we're telling stories. Uh, you know, uh, Abe will tell his stories about his Marine Corps days. I'll tell my stories about my Navy days. And we just have a good time. And then the tech's like working on that side because it's we're fun. We make the first hour of dialysis bearable. We've even thought about, hey, maybe they should have us in a circle around a table that's a circle where we can play cards and maybe throw down some domino tiles and make the whole four hours pass. Because when you're sitting there staring at a TV screen, there's only so much you can do. And unless there's a station that has really good movies, 
you know, then you got to watch. I watch MASH and the news. That's what I that's what I watch mostly. I'll watch uh, Fox News because I'm glad they got Fox. And then I'll turn it to MASH and watch MASH for a couple hours while I suck on my Chinese candy because that's the ticket, baby. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on trying. I'm trying to do what gets, what's better for me. And in order to do that, I also get ribbed at home by my mom because I take a lot of vitamins. I mean a lot. I take a, I take vitamin E. I take iron pills. I take uh, multivitamins. I take, one, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, balance of nature, that fruits and veggies pill. And I, I go with that. I take magnesium, zinc, calcium. I take vitamin E. Uh, I take all that because it's, and to be honest with you, I started Balance of Nature in January, January the 19th, and we're already in July, and it's had an effect on my labs. The dietician tells me that my labs are in fantastic shape, so I must be doing something right. Because they asked me if I was taking any supplements, and I told them, and they go, stop taking them. Well, no, it seems to be working for me, so I'm, I'm not. Until the doctor tells me to stop, I will not stop because you're just, you know, I, I'm not, I'm going to buy that. And besides, the dietitian we have isn't even permanent dietitian. She's a she's a floater because our dietitian quit. Why well, she quit to to move on to better things? She was never any good or effective anyway. The only effective dietitian we had was this gal Jan, who actually did her job, and. Uh, Went out and, uh, and went out to companies looking for that companies that made snacks, looking for snacks that were uh, compatible to us for us. They would send her samples, and if we liked it, we could go buy them because they were out in the stores. This dietitian doesn't do anything even near even near to that. Jan was getting us snacks like from major marketers, along with drinks as well. You know, you might want to try this juice or this soda. Uh, or this uh, uh, this uh, nutrition bar, you know, she was actually effective. This one that we have doesn't do an effing thing, folks. This is the problem, you know. And here's here's the thing at at, at this clinic, we uh, we have needs. Now they say that the patient comes first. I don't believe that ex that even exists anymore. It's just a statement that they make to try to placate us. But, um, what was it? Oh, yeah. We have one, one of the things that a, uh, a di di person dialysis needs, if you're diabetic, you're going to have in your, in your repertoire of, uh, of doctors a podiatrist. There should be a staff podiatrist at the clinic that periodically che checks our feet to determine if, the, if there's any problem. Because some of these people will come in with gangrene because they got a cut on their foot, didn't treat it, got infected, and they're going to be close to losing that foot. If there, was a if there was a podiatrist in the house, they could check us periodically, like, you know, once a quarter, and keep a running log of how our feet look, you know, and then go from there. Also, in that vein, the uh, clinic should staff a psychiatrist because we got problems because of dialysis. One of that problem, the first and foremost for men is a sexual problem. Many men on dialysis cannot get it up, cannot 
achieve or maintain an erection. I'm one of them. Because what happens in the in the lower areas of the body, the nerves die, or they're the first ones to go. And once the nerve structures die, they're not, they can't be revived. Doesn't matter how much Sudafed the doctor gives you, Sudafed, Selenafed, uh, you know, Viagra. And so that's a that's a major psychological problem for men because you can no longer perform, so you don't feel like a man. And that's a big problem for a lot of spouses. It just is what it is. I can't. uh... So if you're in a relationship, that person must really, really love you to, to put up with what you can't provide. Unless, of course, you know, you find other other ways of doing what you got to do. And we do, you know, so there's that. A psychiatrist, because some of us are vets and we have PTSD like me. And sometimes, from time to time, I get so irate at what, what the, the, the slowness of the clinic that I just get up and I leave because I'm, my PTSD takes over and I, gotta, and I just got I to gotta get out of there. I get very anxious and uh, my blood pressure shoots through the roof. And a psychiatrist that would listen to us would probably help. Because dialysis generates a whole lot of psychological problems. Number one, most of us don't work. And we're on a fixed income. And we're trying to struggle living with groceries, paying for groceries, paying for utilities, paying, making our payments just to live. And then we got to come to this place. And that's very frustrating for us. Three times we have to give up three days of our week to come for you to keep us alive. So, oh, and then there are the things that we have to learn at dialysis that they don't even teach you. And they will come every three months and you got to sign a form that says you know how to turn off the machine in the event of a fire or catastrophe where you've got to bug out quickly. And my response to them is, yeah, I'm going to yank these needles out of my arm and I'm going to run it out that, that emergency door. I ain't doing shit. The hell with that. If there's this building's burning, I am not going to be clamp this, clamp that, turn the machine off, and then proceed out. No, no, no. I'm yanking the needles out of my arm, and I'm gone. See, these are the things that, and see, nobody's ever taught us in my five years in dialysis. I don't even know where the on-off button is on that machine, the machine that stops it. Oh, the technicians know it back and forth. So, like, if there's a fire, I'm waiting for somebody to come help me because I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And we can sometimes we can't even get up out of the chair because we're secured so tightly in the chair we can't get we can't move. They don't want us moving. So how am I supposed to get up to turn the machine off if I can't reach it? Those are the things that perplex us. So not only are we assaulted at home by problems that face us constantly. We are also assaulted at the clinic by problems with things that they could have helped us cope with, but nobody's done it. You know, when I was in the Navy, you had a new piece of equipment, you had to be trained to use it. Somebody, probably the civilian contractor, had to show you this is the blah, 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 and this is the on-off switch, this is what it does, and this is how it works. Then when the school and when the, when the book education was done, you went before the machine yourself, 
and you cycle it through its paces, turning it on, turning it off, going through the different modes, if it had different modes. So these were the things that we had to deal with, being sailors. And it's no different now being on dialysis. I need to know that. I know the machine because I looked it up on the Internet, and I taught myself how that machine works. But when it comes to the, when the shit hits the fan, I'm going to play stupid. And I don't know jack squat about this machine. I'm just going to yank these deals out of my arm and I'm going to move forward out into the staging area. These are the things we deal with. These are the things you're listening to, the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. Be right back. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Well, as you all six of you know, when you hear the Traveling Wilburys end of the line, that's the end of this episode. Thank you for sticking with me if you made it to the bitter end. And this is the bitter end because we got to say goodbye. Ah, It's only goodbye for a few days. I'll start recording again probably on Saturday because the way things are rolling in this world... God knows something else is going to pop up. As for me, well, you know, the world of dialysis is what it is, and I do the best that I can. I try to maintain an even strain and move forward with my life. I want to say that I love you all. You all are very special and important to me, especially those of you that I'm talking to on Messenger. Take care of your dad, Deb. Take good care of him. He's a good man. Uh, do your best for him because one day these people will be gone and will wonder I never got to say I loved him or I never got to listen to his life story ask your people ask your parents what their life story was you didn't know what your mom was like when she was 15 I bet you'd like to she was probably a lot like you but you don't know because your parents won't talk about that stuff because nobody's ever asked it's just like to, this, to me, to, to, to this day, I went to Israel, I went to the Holy Land, and nobody, very few people have asked me, hey, what, tell, me the, tell me about Israel. I got a lot to say about Israel, but nobody's asked. So nobody, I'm going to take that to my grave. Nobody knows. So the thing is, I, I said, I love all of you. I respect all of you. We may not uh, agree on our politics, but that's Okay. I like to listen to other ideas because maybe mine aren't exactly right, but they're right for me. So as I always say, live, laugh, love. Live your life as today as if today's your last day on earth because it just might be. Laugh. Laugh at what goes on around you. I'm not saying life's a joke, but it's funny sometimes, especially after the bad stuff has happened. And love. Love your friends, love your family, love yourself, love your enemies, especially your enemies. And with that said, take care. Adieu. Until next week, we will start this all up again. And until then, I leave you in the capable hands of George Harrison and the Traveling Wilburys. (laughs) 